Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Get your advanced PhD in WOW from Floor and Decor. If you're a pro, you're already an expert in tile, wood, and stone. And with Floor and Decor's job site delivery, their free design services, and pro rewards that actually reward you, your business is set to grow from one client to the next. Floor and Decor isn't just a couple of aisles. It's an entire store designed to help your business boom. It's Floor and Decor. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. So by some estimates, there are now 2.5 million U.S. veterans of the Iraq and Afghanistan wars, and unfortunately in the media, they're often portrayed in a negative light. I mean, the focus is typically on the mental health issues, the PTSD, the increasing suicide rates, the problems at the VA, which is true. It's happening. It's a travesty. We should be doing something about it. We shouldn't ignore it. But what often gets overlooked in the media are these untold stories of veterans who are coming home from Iraq and Afghanistan and continuing their mission of service to their country as civilians. And my guest today wrote a book highlighting some of these untold stories. His name's Joe Klein. He's a columnist at Time Magazine, and uh, he's the author of a new book called Charlie Mike. And we'll talk about what that means. Uh, if you're in the military, you probably know what that means. We'll talk about what it means if you don't. And uh, in it, he highlights two veterans groups. One is uh, Team Rubicon, formed by some former combat Marines, where they go do disaster relief around the world using other uh, combat veterans. And the other one is The Mission Continues, which was founded by a former podcast guest of ours, Eric Greitens, who's a Navy SEAL, where they fund community service projects done for uh, done by veterans of all of different branches of the military. And during this interview, we talk about the history of these organizations, what exactly they do, the men behind it, the stories behind it. And we also talk about what civilians can learn from these organizations, of how service can actually help us spiritually, emotionally, socially, mentally, physically. Really great podcast. So without further ado, Joe Klein and Charlie Mike. Joe Klein, welcome to the show. It's good to be here. Uh, So your latest book is called Charlie Mike, a true story of heroes who brought their mission home. And you highlight these two veterans organizations that are primarily made up of veterans of the Iraq and Afghanistan wars, who the, the goal of these missions is unique. They, they get veterans to do community service, disaster relief, an effort to help the veterans transition to civilian life, but also to help the community at large. I'm curious, how did you get keyed in on these two groups and why did you feel like you need to write a book about it? Well, it's a, it, it, it's, it's kind of a long story. It begins on, 9/11 for me when uh, I, I had just retired from uh, journalism, um, and uh, but I felt the need to come back, and uh, I, I've spent most of my time since 9/11, uh, you know, learning Islam, learning uh, uh, the region, learning the military from the top down, and um, and learning U.S. intelligence. And what happened was. Um, I embedded with our troops in Iraq and Afghanistan. 
uh, and uh, and I saw that what they were doing was for the first time really in in the history of our military governing towns under fire. Uh, I especially saw that in Afghanistan where you'd see a succession of young captains. I kept on going back to this one town uh, just outside of Kandahar, and I'd see these 30-year-old captains uh, leading a company of 130 men uh, and, uh, you know, crowdsourcing the town, asking people what they wanted us to build for them, uh, governing the town, protecting the people. And uh, one day I was watching this uh, this captain, uh, Jeremiah Ellis, um, trying to deal with a difficult situation with the town council, which was utterly corrupt. And he was doing it, you know, under fire, in a, in a different language, in one of the poorest countries in the world. And I figured if he could do all that here, he could probably go home to Iowa and run for governor. And so... Um, I took that idea to, to General Petraeus, who had been my mentor teaching me counterinsurgency tactics. Um, and, and I said, did you ever think that the new training that you've given the U.S. Army to do this kind of stuff um, is going to have an effect when they come home? That maybe they're going to come home pointed toward entrepreneurial things uh, because they have a lot of decision-making power that military that 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 soldiers and marines hadn't had before, but also it's going to point them toward public service. And he said, um, "No, I hadn't, but then you know that makes sense." And he began to look around the country for me, for various people who were. Um, you know who were who were coming home and doing good things, and uh, naturally that search led me to Eric Greitens and the mission continues, and uh, and also to um, uh, to Team Rubicon, uh, uh, which which started because uh, uh, Jake Wood, uh, who is a Marine sergeant, um, uh, uh, you know, started as a mission continues fellow. So um, that's how I, that's how I found them, um, and we could talk a little bit more about about who Eric and Jake are. Um, but it's only the, that's only the beginning of the story because of what I've what I've since learned over the last four years of interviewing, um, you know, hundreds of veterans and people involved in these organizations, is that they have something to tell us civilians about how to be citizens and about how to create community. And how to and how to be happier? Yeah, and I'd love to get into that because I think it's really interesting. Because as I was reading the book, and I saw the transformation that happened in these uh, the lives of some of these veterans because of these organizations, like I need this too. Like I could use that. I'm not in the military, um, mm-hmm. but let's get specific. So you start off the book talking about Jake Wood. Um, this was 2010 when the earthquakes hit Haiti, devastation, mm-hmm. and. Here's a former Marine, and he decided out of the blue to just go down there and do something. Um, well, what, what compelled him to do that? There's one really important statistic that, 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 that we should all be aware of, and that is that return, 90% of returning veterans say they want to continue their service in their communities, which distinguishes them from every other generation of U.S. military. Um, and, you know, part of the reason they feel that way is that they all volunteered. This is an all-volunteer force. And uh, so Jake Wood, after, uh, you know, two tours 
in uh, one in Iraq and one in Afghanistan. Uh, second one is a scout sniper. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, Jake had been a football player for the University of Wisconsin. He was dean's list at the University of Wisconsin. He had six operations on one of his feet, um, and he uh, volunteered to be a grunt in the Marines. Uh, and when he came out, uh, he was filling out his uh, MBA applications at various uh, universities, and he's watching the TV one day, and he sees the Haiti earthquake, and he calls a bunch of his friends and say, says, let's go down there and help. And um, the amazing thing is that um, that they put together uh, a couple of doctors as part of this team, uh, and the Jesuits helped them with medical supplies. And within four days of Jake sitting on his couch in Santa Monica and coming up with the idea, four days later, they're running the largest emergency room in the country of Haiti at the uh, University Hospital in Port-au-Prince. And um, what Jake saw and his partner, um, Will McNulty, saw was that not only were they, not only did their military skills um, make them very efficient when it came to uh, delivering, delivering services, you know, in, a, in, in what was practically a war zone uh, because of the devastation, they also realized that the act of giving and the act of serving was having a wonderful, almost euphoric effect on them. And so Team Rubicon was born. Yeah, and the story of how Team Rubicon came to bat, it was amazing because like he actually tried to go through official channels first. Like he went to the Red Cross and said, Well, yeah. no, you need to go, you need specific training. He's like, What do you mean? I'm a Marine. I've I've done this stuff. Um, and he just decided I'm gonna you know circumvent all this red tape and just do it myself. So I guess it's that entrepreneurial um mm. mindset that he developed in Afghanistan and Iraq going coming into play. That's right. Um and uh you know, the interesting thing is that the Red Cross has seen the light, and they're now cooperating with Team Rubicon and supporting them, uh, as are a lot of other groups. But, you know, this would never have happened, uh, you know, if it weren't for the fact uh, that Eric Greitens, who was a Navy SEAL, um, got blown up in Iraq and, uh, and came back home, and he was walking the corridors of uh, Bethesda Naval Hospital with a couple of friends, and um, and he would ask the troops there, I've done this, uh, and, you know, you ask him, what do you want to do next? And uh, the answer is always the same. I want to go back to my unit. And, you know, some of these kids are very, very severely wounded, um, and they, you know, obviously they can't go back, but, you know, when Eric asked them what they wanted to do after the military, they would say, I want to be a Little League coach, or I want to be a teacher, I want to help out in some way. And, um, uh, and he, he had this killer line when, uh, when they would say that, you know, we very casually and almost reflexively say, thank you for your service these yeah. days. Um, he told these kids, thank you for your service. We still need you. And, um, he could see that that had a, you know, an, an almost physical impact on them. It was it was the thing that they most wanted to hear, and the thing that they most wanted to do was to continue to be of service. And he came up with the idea of providing six month um, uh, service fellowships 
uh, to wounded veterans who would hook up with some kind of an agency like Boys and Girls Clubs or um, Habitat for Humanity or uh, or even the VA in in their hometowns, and uh, and uh, he would he would pay him for six months to do it, uh, and as a result, uh, Jake Wood and uh, and his best friend Clay Hunt both of whom had been wounded overseas, uh, used Mission Continues fellowships to start, um, to start Team Rubicon. That's awesome. Um, let's talk a little more about Eric Greitens, um, because we, I've had him on the podcast before, talked about his book Resilience. He's got a really fascinating background that, I, that made him different from a lot of the other you know, SEALs or even just officers in the military um, that's unique. Can you tell us a bit about his background and how his background influenced how he approached warfare and would later uh, influence his work uh, with the mission continues? Well, Eric, Eric was a stone humanitarian, I think, from the moment he came out of the womb. Uh, he spent a lot of his youth going to refugee camps overseas. Um, he was a terrific student and athlete, uh, Rhodes Scholar. He boxed for Oxford uh, and, um, on one of his trips to a refugee camp, uh, it was in Africa. He saw all these young kids who had had their arms and legs chopped off by machetes and had terrible scarring. Um, and he had this, this epiphany. Um, he, uh, he said to himself, um, the innocent of the world need heavily armed moral protection, and so he decided to become a Navy SEAL. He's probably the only Navy SEAL who ever worked for Mother Teresa. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, and that differentiated himself, it differentiated him from a lot of the kind of, um, you know, super macho um, behavior, you know, that, uh, you know that, that the SEALs do in order to let off steam between very dangerous missions. Eric didn't drink. He didn't have tattoos. Um, you know, he was, uh, you know, he, he, um, he put quotes from, from, uh, from Sophocles and, and, and other philosophers up on the walls of his office instead of, uh, pictures of girls on, girls on Harleys. Um, he was, he was a very strange bird when it came to the Navy SEALs, but his superiors thought that he was really onto something when it came to the way um, seals should behave and and what was important and he took the you know the the things that he learned as a navy seal plus the the things that he learned academically uh, to create the mission continues and it's interesting you say that his background is unusual and it is because he is a remarkable guy but I kept, I kept on finding during the course of the research that there were an awful lot of members of the U.S. military officer corps who were classics majors or minors who studied ancient Greek, Greece and, and Rome, but especially Greece. And it, and it led to their decisions to, first of all, to serve, but also to their, to their definition of what it is to be a citizen. For these folks, um, Citizenship is an active thing. You have to play your part. Um, for too many Americans nowadays, citizenship is just being there. You don't even have to vote. 
Um, you certainly don't have to do anything. And uh, as I watched them in action, and actually as I joined Team Rubicon and Mission Continues on service projects, um, I, I, I began to realize that that sense of community that the military has and that sense of service that the military has is something that is very much lacking uh, in our civilian life. So, yeah, it seems like Eric is trying to resurrect that you know, ancient idea of civic virtue that mm-hmm. influenced the founders as well. And I thought it was interesting, too, how he would uh, you know, use the Odyssey with some of these vets and say like the, you know, the Odyssey is, re- is a story of a, of a warrior returning. Uh, and like they would, he tried to find parallels and help people, the veterans, apply that to their own life as well. He used it with me. He said, he said well, if you're going to write this book, he said, the first thing I want to know is... Um, is this going to be another one of those, oh, woe is me, veterans are just, uh, you know, victims and, um, and they're basket cases and so on. Is it going to be that kind of book? And I said, no, it's going to be the exact opposite. And then he said, uh, I want you to read the Odyssey. And I said, why? He said, well, it's the first book ever written about a veteran coming home. And, uh, and in, you know, um, and in mythic ways, you know, uh, it shows the kind of challenges that, uh, that veterans have kind of dialing it back from a war zone into uh, civilian life. I mean, they don't always meet, meet the Cyclops, uh, <laughs> as, as, as Odysseus does. Uh, but, but there are moral equivalents of the Cyclops that, that a lot of them have to deal with. One thing I think you did a good job conveying in the book about a mission continues and, and Eric's purpose with it he seemed like he was trying to walk this fine line uh, from being like a support group, right? And then actually mm-hmm. challenging these veterans to do something, right? And he was, and it was, he had that struggle. Sometimes he'd like, have, he didn't want to turn people down because they had a problem and okay, they could help them, but they weren't, it wasn't the type of project that he was hoping that a mission continues. Could be. So can you talk a little about that tension that he had to deal with, with a mission continues? Yeah. Well, the, the really interesting thing that I found over time, uh, you know, doing doing dozens and dozens and hundreds of hours of interviews, was that post traumatic stress um, isn't just about isn't just about what they saw and did over there. It's also about what they what they lost when they came home. And uh, what they lost when they came home was a, was a sense of purpose and community. Uh, you know, every day in the military, uh, especially if you're on, you know, in, in a war zone, you have a job to do that, that involves keeping your brothers and sisters safe. Uh, you're part of this intense community. And then you come home and nothing is required of you at all. And so what Eric was finding uh, at the mission continues was that in many ways the returning veterans wanted to just serve other veterans when they came home and to continue to be part of that community. And what he wanted them to do was to take their, you know, the, the, the values that they learned in the military, the remarkable efficiency that, you know, someone like Jake Wood displayed in Haiti. Um, uh, they, Eric wanted to take that into the community 
and to let people see that these folks were not basket cases but potential leaders and uh, and a lot of people and, and, and a lot of veterans uh resist that uh because they want to be with they they want to continue to be part of their their community and that again is another thing that distinguishes them from the rest of us you know our sense of community is dwindling and you know i'm covering the presidential campaign for time magazine and we're trying to do democracy without citizens and you're seeing some of the very weird results of that right right for those who embrace the impossible the defender 110 is up for the adventure this iconic vehicle has been redefined with a thoroughly modern design the exterior has been reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity the Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Durability has been tested to the extreme. Cargo capacity means more room for your gear. And there's been powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system that keeps you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. And the Defender is ready for a wide range of adventures. The Defender family features two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. That's LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Wedding season is coming up, and if you are preparing for the big day, I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit right from your home. Don't just wear any suit on your big day. Wear a custom made-to-measure suit. Suits start at just $499, which is about the same price you'd pay for an off-the-rack suit at a department store. And they've also got custom made-to-measure shirts starting at just $89. So I've talked about my Indochino suit on the podcast before. They've been a longtime podcast sponsor. It's navy blue. The measuring process was super easy. They got these video guides you follow. You'll need another set of hands to help you out with that. But the really fun part is customizing it. Got to customize how I wanted the lapels on the jacket, the pockets, the lining. I went no pleats on the pants on this suit. A lot of fun. And then in a few weeks, you have a made-to-measure custom suit sent directly to your door. When planning your wedding, get a suit as unique as you with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. Daylight saving time is starting up again. The goal of this is to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting our clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There is only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to help you find qualified candidates. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you can reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. All right, you got that in your head? Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. 
Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors, and many of these instructors are former AOM podcast guests. You can learn negotiation from Chris Voss, leadership skills from Jocko Willink, how to master your habits with James Clear. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So recently, I went through the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. A lot of useful information in there. Talked about the value of knowing a negotiation, how to use your body language and speech patterns to get your best out of a negotiation. Very well done. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. Masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. Um, this, I guess, that's you know when you're talking about uh, going back to Team Rubicon, and you mentioned like the euphoria these men felt when they were you know in the mess of the the Haiti earthquakes. I guess they were just they were recapturing that sense of camaraderie and sense of purpose that they had once had uh, mm. during battle. Well, yeah, and, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, it can be a little bit dangerous, too. I mean, I did the, uh, the Oklahoma tornado, um, tornadoes with Team, Team Rubicon, and um, at the end of every day, they would have a debrief, uh, not just here's what we accomplished today and here's what we want to do tomorrow, but also how did you feel about it? And people would talk about how amazing it felt to be part of a military unit where you weren't get, getting shot at and you didn't have to shoot anybody. And um, what, what uh, Will McNulty, who was Jake's partner in this, was finding is, was that people would go home again after a, a, a successful deployment and they would hit a wall. They would get tremendously depressed being alone again. And so... Um, this was something that they did uh, at my instigation, uh, uh, which was to bring on some people from another organization called Given Hour, which is an organization of 6,000 psychiatrists and therapists who donate an hour a week to a returning veteran. And, uh, and, and uh, so that for the people who got you know, so euphoric on a Team Rubicon mission and then crashed when they came home, there would be someone to talk to. And 20% of uh, the profits, should there be any, um, although they've already gotten, uh, both organizations have gotten a share of money from Charlie Mike, but 20% of the profits from Charlie Mike um, goes to the mission continues and Team Rubicon in order to... um, Pay for their alliance with uh, uh, with Given Hour, and to make sure that there are therapeutic staff on board uh, for you know for the veterans they're dealing with. That's awesome, and I, I guess Eric also noticed or he saw the the need of bringing people together. Because I first at uh, a mission continues is very it was the fellowship program was there, but it was very dispersed, um, decentralized. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he decided, I guess at the behest of some of the people that worked at a mission continues, like we need to bring these people together so they can have that sense of camaraderie uh, that happens face to face. You can't get just talking on the internet or whatever. That's right. That's that's right. And it, um, and it's taken another step since the book, uh, and it's a really remarkable step. Uh, they they now have uh, serv- uh, service platoons um, 
you know, dozens and dozens of them, uh, which are actually being funded by the Wounded Warrior Project, in which, you know, if you don't want to be a Mission Continues fellow for six months, or if the folks there don't think you're ready for it, or if you've already been a fellow for six months but you want to continue to serve, you could join one of these service platoons. And the really remarkable thing about both the Mission Continues and Team Rubicon is that they're expanding beyond... Uh, Iraq and Afghanistan veterans to include Iraq veterans, uh, to, to include Vietnam veterans, and uh, the widows of veterans, and the families of veterans, and even civilians. And so there is a uh, team, uh, a mission continues, um, uh, com- uh, you know, service platoon operating in the South Bronx and uh, doing huge murals there. And my wife and daughter-in-law, who were both, you know, uh, designers, are helping them out. You know, this is something that anybody can do. Any civilian can go and be part of these organizations. And um, and and I got to say, from experience, it's a really wonderful experience. Yeah, and it's it's bringing back that idea of making citizens active, making citizenship an active process, not a passive process. Yeah, you know, at one point I was on a uh, um, a service project, a mission continued service project in Brooklyn. We were cleaning up a uh, a school, and I was inside painting and uh, went outside to take a break. And there's John Stewart with his two kids uh, raking the playground, <laughs> and he says, "Clyde, what are you doing here?" And I said, "Painting." And uh, and he lifts up his rake and he says raking, and uh, you know it's. But he's the kind of guy John Stewart is, um, who doesn't go around bragging about it, who doesn't bring a publicist with him or a photographer. Um, he just goes out and does it because it it feels good. Right, and I think that this is this is actually good too. Getting the civilians involved because it's a way to bridge the gap between. Uh, civilians and veterans. One thing I've, we've had veterans on the podcast before and we've written about veterans issues. And one issue that pops up is that civilians don't really understand what they went through and their right. civilians are very, they don't, they don't want to talk about it. And they just, they just kind of like pretend it didn't happen. They'll say, thank you for your service. And that's it. But I guess this is an opportunity for civilians to understand veterans, what they went through. Mm-hmm. And it's really important. I think that, 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 one of the reasons why I wrote this book, why, why I wrote Charlie Mike, was uh, that the general impression that civilians have of veterans is that they're basket cases, is that there's something wrong with them. Any, anybody who, you know, who's gone over there is obviously, you know, damaged in some way. Um, and that is really unfair. I mean, it, there are certainly those problems exist. But you know, these people are bringing solutions home with them, not just problems. And uh, and I think that they, you're going to see these people, these, this generation of veterans, begin to emerge as uh, national leaders. Eric Reitens is running for governor of, uh, governor of Missouri, you know, as we speak. Yeah, I mean, it's, do you think he has presidential ambitions? I think Eric has presidential ambitions. I think there are several veterans who are running for office who are presidential ambitions. I mean, there's a great story um, up in Massachusetts. Uh, Seth Moulton, a congressman there, um, was, you know, uh, graduated from Harvard in uh, 2001. 
before 9-11, and he was a physics and, um, and philosophy major. Uh, uh, and uh, he gave one of the commencement addresses at Harvard that year and announced that he was joining the Marines. And he did four tours in the Marines and then came home and people asked him to run for, for, um, for Congress. And uh, he, he was running in a district north of Boston. And uh, I don't know whether you've seen the movie Spotlight, um, but the investigative reporter at the heart of that movie, a guy by the name of Walter Robinson, went around, um, has gone around for the last 30, 40 years, checking the service records of veterans who run for office, because almost always they're, you know, they exaggerate what they, they've done. They lie about it. And so with two weeks before the election, it, you know, we found out that Walter Robinson was investigating Seth Moulton. And what he came out, what he, what he came up with, was that Seth had received two bronze stars, a Navy commendation, one with valor, and he had never told anybody about it. He hadn't even told his parents about it. And um, and Robinson asked him why, and Seth said, "Look, I joined the military because I felt it was my civic duty. I joined before the war in Iraq. I disagreed with the war in Iraq, and I felt that my job." was to take care there uh to take care of the men under my command and I didn't succeed and so there was nothing to brag about and that gives you a sense of the of the core set of values that this generation of veterans are bringing home with them um you know I think Seth won and he is a remarkable story and there are others uh, out there who are running and winning uh, some are liberals, some are conservatives, most are pretty independent. Um, but it's one of the reasons to be optimistic about our country. Right. And speaking of, uh, you know, Eric, I think it's interesting. Um, I've been following his campaign. He's kind of infusing his campaign with this ethos that he started at uh, Mission Continues. Um, by he's At campaign stops, they do service projects. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that um, that's the, that's, the core of who he is and how he will serve in government. I mean, he believes that, you know, part of the job of a governor is to activate, you know, your citizens and get them involved in um, making their communities better. Uh, You know, he asks something of them in return. You know, you hear politicians talking about people's rights, you know, you hear about it all the time. Time. I was just out hearing Bernie Sanders talk about health care being a right, not a privilege. Um, and, you know, and, and he, he's right that uh, people have certain rights, but they also have responsibilities. And you never hear politicians talk about our responsibilities in a democracy. And if we don't fulfill those responsibilities, which involves, you know, serving in our communities, and uh, being an active part of our government, um, then we're not doing our jobs. And I think that one of the things that Eric Greitens is is selling, uh, and I hope he succeeds, um, is the notion that for Missouri to succeed, it needs to have an active citizenry. Right. And I mean, it, and it's interesting. Yeah, people don't really ask much from us anymore. Our politicians are do, our, our leaders don't. They don't ask anything, right? And it, it seems like, but it seems like people are hungry for it. Not not just veterans, but even um, citizens. Like they want to feel like they want they're needed or useful. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, you know, human beings are social animals. Um, and uh, doing things together is, you know, is, is baked in. Uh, you know, there was this great military historian, William McNeil, who wrote a book about, uh, who wrote a book about close order drill and uh, and how it came about and his theory was that it came about at the very beginning of history when you know we were hunters and gatherers on the african savanna and if you wanted to go out and get dinner by yourself you and your spear um the chances were that you would wind up being the lion's dinner but if you got together in your com- you know with with other people and did the kill the lion dance um and practiced it the, there was a good chance that you were going to come back with meat. Uh, and that was selected for in, in the evolutionary process. It's part of who we are. It, there's a certain real satisfaction that comes, a physical satisfaction and, uh, and a mental satisfaction that comes from bonding together with other people in physical actions like marching or, um, or cleaning up neighborhoods after a, after a tornado. Right. So, I mean, uh, can civilians learn from this? I mean, can they, do you think that we should like have like mandatory service or should we just, you know, kind of follow the Eric Greitens plan just by lead by example and encourage citizens to get involved in these types of organizations? Well, you know, um, this is not a country where mandates work very well. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and I, and I, and I think it's kind of hard, um, to, um, you know, to ask a struggling, um, kid who is learning, you know, learning a trade like a welder or something like that, um, to, uh, to spend a couple of years serving his country or her country, although it's wonderful when they do. I do think that for the elites and the middle class, for anybody who is, you know, Bernie Sanders has an idea of giving a free four-year uh, college tuition uh, to anybody who wants it. And uh, once again, he doesn't, he doesn't ask us for anything in return. And I think that it, it, it would probably be not a bad idea if part of the deal was that you had to serve for a couple of years as something, you know, maybe not in the military, maybe as a teacher or, or working in a government. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that, could be, that could be mandatory if you, you know, get the benefit of a four-year college education on our dime. But the other thing is this. General uh, Stanley McChrystal has said that he'd like to see a country where 10 years from now, um, if you go in for a job interview to be a lawyer or, uh, or, or anything, any sort of exec- executive position, the first question you get asked is, where did you serve? We have to make this become part of what being an American means. Uh, we have to make it an active, active part of it um, because it is, it's always been part of being what uh, a human being means. It, it's always serving others and working together with others, going out and killing the lion together um, is who we are. And we're trying to get away uh, in this country right now because of our incredible affluence we're trying to get away with not requiring that of our citizens anymore. And I think it, it's, we're heading into dangerous territory. Right. Yeah, after I read the book, I was like, I need to do something. I need to get involved in something like this. Um, I mean, what's the status of Team Rubicon and a mission continues today? Still out there doing missions? Yeah, they're, they're, 
they're growing by leaps and bounds. Um, and, uh, you know, as I said, uh, Mission Continues has these service platoons operating in every major city in the country. Sometimes there are like four or five service platoons uh, in, in New York City uh, and others, you know, multiple platoons in many, in many other cities. And it's open to civilians. You don't have to be just a veteran to do it. Um, and Team Rubicon has expanded um, across the globe, and it is now, uh, Will McNulty is now organizing the military veterans in other countries to start their own Team Rubicons. Um, you know, you talk about a face of America that uh, really people in the rest of the world love. It's when U.S. veterans come to Pakistan, you know, and help clean up during the flooding or go to um, Nepal for the earthquake. In that recent earthquake in Nepal, it wasn't only Team Rubicon America that went. It was also Team Rubicon United Kingdom that went. Um, So these things are expanding, and there are opportunities for people who, who are not veterans to be part of something really good. Right. Can you? Okay. I, I had I had to look this up after I read the book. What does Charlie Mike mean? Because I think it's I, I didn't know why. Oh it, well, it, well yeah. we should have, we should have done right. that at the beginning. Right. Exactly. Charlie I mean, Mike, yeah. What does Charlie Mike mean? In uh, in uh, military radio code, uh, Charlie Mike means continue mission, and uh, that's that's what these guys are doing. They've continued their mission of helping others and serving their country, even after they've come home. Great. Well, Joe, this has been a great conversation. Where can people learn more about the book and these two organizations you talk about in the book? Well, they can buy the book. That would be a cool thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's online at Amazon and, uh, and in bookstores near you. Um, uh, but, uh, but also, uh, Mission Continues, Team Rubicon, there are other great veterans organizations like Purple Heart Homes, which uh, builds, um, you know, uh, uh, houses for wounded veterans, um, and uh, Team Red, Red, White, and Blue, which you know goes out on runs. Um, you know they have veterans and civilians going together and exercising together, which is a, co- a cool thing too. Um, but uh, there, there, there are other organizations that do this kind of work. Uh, but Team Rubicon and the Mission Continues are generally considered to be the gold standard, uh, really spectacular organizations that continue to grow and bring more and more people into the act of serving others. That's great. Well, Joe Klein, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Thank you. My guest today was Joe Klein. He's the author of the book, Charlie Mike, and you can find that on amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. And if you want to find more information about Mission Continues and Team Rubicon, or even volunteer for them, uh, you can go to missioncontinues.org or teamrubiconusa.org. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And if you enjoy this show and have gotten something out of it, I'd really appreciate it if you go give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Help uh, spread the word about the show. As always, I can appreciate your continued support. And until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly.
Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.